You're listening to Startups for Good, where we explore high growth and high values ventures. I am your host, Miles Lasseter, three-time founder turned investor. Join us to hear stories of entrepreneurs. Join us to be inspired to be a founder or to work for a startup. Join us to be part of a community that believes startups can be a force for good. Welcome to Startups for Good. I'm your host, Miles Lasseter. On today's episode, I speak with David Booth, who's CEO of OnDeck, a network of communities dedicated to unlocking human potential, helping founders start up and raise early capital, top talent connect with opportunities, and explore what's next in their career. David is a former founder, including of a successful subscription food delivery startup. He's worked at Carta, at AngelList, working on syndicates. He's been an investor of EC at Sparkbox Ventures and Movac, and an entrepreneur in residence at Lightning Labs, which is New Zealand's leading digital accelerator. A couple other experiences. We talk about OnDeck, which is not to be confused with the fintech company. What started as a dinner series in San Francisco became a dinner series in many more cities and eventually a company. They've got 20 programs. After I invested in the seed, I got so excited I did three of them. On Deck Founders, On Deck Angels for investing in startup companies, and On Deck Podcasters. They have, I think he said, 120 employees and growing a Bonanza $20 million Series A led by Founders Fund. You can read their Series A memo online to learn more about how they did that. On the show, we discussed OnDeck's vision of unlocking human potential, which I get really inspired about, why we need more founders in the world to solve more problems. If you need to know your co-founder before starting a company, we talk about dealing with change in a fast-growing startup. And most exciting, David announces and discusses a new game-changing program on the podcast, ODX. Stay tuned for more. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to share with you another podcast I think you'll enjoy. I love being inspired by stories of extraordinary mission-driven founders. So that's why I think you'll really enjoy listening to Evolve, hosted by Brandon Stover. Brandon asks thought-provoking questions to unlock the wisdom of social entrepreneurs. And you get to hear guests like Madison Campbell and David Katz and a whole roster of amazing entrepreneurs who are solving the world's greatest challenges. So when he suggested we share each other's podcasts with our listeners, I was happy to do it. You can head on over to Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts to listen to Evolve with a Brandon Stover. David, welcome to Startups for Good. It's so good to have you on the show. Thank you, Miles. It's been a long time coming. I'm so glad we, we had the chance to do this. Yeah, so... I have a question for you. Does Silicon Valley stand for growth at all costs? It's a great question. I think no. I think that so much of what Silicon Valley has come to personify in today's age is this mindset. It's not just the you know the the build in order to get rich yourself. It's the take crazy swings because that's the way that innovation happens. That the Chris Dixon quote of the next big thing starts out looking like a toy or the, or the, you know, what the smartest people do are their nights and weekends hacking away at various things that, you know, someone could, could rationally look at and say, well, what, what does that do to serve society? I think that's where the, you know, most exciting, most innovative companies are being born today and, and will continue to be that. And what, one, one of the things I'm most excited about and, and sort of high level themes behind on deck is that Silicon Valley 
the, the concept, the mindset has now migrated to the cloud. It's, it's available you know, through content you can consume like this podcast. It's, it's yeah, anywhere, anyone around the world uh, can, can start to build and, and start to, to innovate. So Silicon Valley culture brings out the best when we play, when we explore and don't necessarily set out to build businesses. Is that what you're saying? There's certainly with any technology, with, with any movement, with, with any era, that there have been good and, and bad uses of said technology, of, of, set, of, of those you know, ideas. And you know, no, nobody would claim, I think, that uh, all technology is positive for the world. Uh, it's really about how you use it. But today, um, there, there certainly are many problems that, that need to be solved in the world. And when I think about, you know, the people I see coming through on deck in the, in the very early days, many of them were incredibly motivated to solve specific problems. But the ones who um, I think are going to make it big are, are going to be the ones that, you know, have a sort of a, a passion for and, and an ability to, to build from first principles, as opposed to looking top down and, and, and to, you know, to not stay married to the idea specifically, but to, to be able to pivot and, and navigate the idea maze as, as you go through and, and sort of start to, to understand the, yeah, the, the broader opportunity. I think that concept of being able to change does come when you hold more lightly to what you're doing and are willing to play with it. And that leads to successful pivots, as you say. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I like to say that if you, if you think about impact in the world, you know, Tesla is going to have more of a positive climate impact than you know, hundreds of, of climate companies. I think that there is a, a real opportunity to uplift, to, to create you know, wealth, job creation, improve quality of life, solve a lot of the, the, the most pressing climate change, health problems. You look at the pandemic we've just come out of, it's uh, you know, ultimately came out of as a result of, uh, of us being able to develop vaccines faster than ever you know, thought possible. And, and that's what I'm so excited to see in the world. It's, it's one of the, the sort of the driving forces behind the business we've built certainly is, is how do you help people get off the sidelines, get curious, find their people, surround themselves with you know, others who are taking those same journeys. And many of them will start companies. Many of them won't. You know, many people shouldn't start companies, but hopefully the process of, of, of trying, of, of going out there to explore will you know, get them in the right mindset to, to, to create that change that we need in the world. So you said some people shouldn't start companies. How do you know which category you fall into? I think you can only know by trying. And you, know, you, you could picture any, any particular group of, of friends you have or, or sort of founders you know. There are those who have you know, the intimate understanding of a problem and just a passion to, to solve and, and, and to you know, to, to fix that problem. There are others who, who are out to um, just to be along for the ride and, and have the operational skills, that the execution you know, capacity to, to, you know, to be the, the firepower that the, the, the former group needs. Um, there is you know, a, a lot of people we, we see who are just looking for a change and maybe they're working for a big tech company, maybe they're working at a big bank, Maybe they were you know, an early employee at a, at a startup that's now grown to thousands of people. We've seen the, the growth along the way and have a, a, you know, an itch that they, they want to scratch. There's, there's a problem in the world that they think they can have a, a crack at solving. And I would encourage every and, and anyone to, to take a, a crack and, and say, what does it actually mean to solve this problem? 
and should this be a company or or perhaps if there's someone already building that then then you know which companies are, are the most exciting who's who's raised money from who for what who's made the most you know traction who's building the best company cultures and and to align you know them, themselves with those journeys as well but i mean the, the answer is you, you only know by trying and you said something about it making a difference if you've experienced the problem yourself do you think that's a requirement for being a good founder i certainly think that one of the one of one of the things that is true today is there is something of a, of an echo chamber in in the sort of the core technology industry that there's a lot of people who have been involved in building you know the current crop of startups who've you know not experienced a lot of the, the problems out there uh, in the world and to, to couple that with you know you think about the web early days or the, or the last 10 years a lot of the big companies made it big building software you know, the first generation of, of software companies that were pure plays, you know, whether it was Facebook in the early days, Reddit, whether it's Twitter in the early days, um, you, you, you know, it is possible to sit in a room and, and, and code a solution and sort of l- learn and grow as you, as you do. If you aspire to building a company that's going to operate in the healthcare sector, if you're you know, going to op- operate in education and, and climate tech and, and a, a lot of emerging sectors, then I think that's no longer so true that, you shouldn't necessarily just assume that you can solve a problem building on your own and, and sort of taking feedback as you go. It is actually worth getting out there and trying to find people who have worked in those industries. Perhaps you want to build for a, improve the efficiency of the healthcare system where well, you'll have a hard time doing that if you haven't you know, actually had somebody who's worked in the healthcare system either on your team or very close to you. The same goes across a lot of the different sectors. So it's one of the things that we've seen in particular in the, you know, in the early days around the cohort construction of an on-deck program. We used to very intentionally go out there and, and build you know, different groups of people. You had the builders, you had the explorers, you had people that have sort of come in with industry operating expertise. You have others that come in with engineering or, or product skills and, and try to uh, the, the, the word we use is manufacture serendipity by matching them into smaller groups, by you know, creating events and experiences, encouraging each of them to, to share and, and teach what they know with the rest of the group. And, and today, that same effect, but across our programs. And, and you look at the healthcare program, the fintech program, the, the climate tech program, you know, gather some of the best minds who are motivated to, to use startups as a lever to solve problems in that industry. And most valuable thing we can do is, is help them connect with with founders, with people who are, are actually out there committing themselves to driving those problems forward. And when you manufacture this serendipity so that people are meeting potentially a co-founder or an early team member, how well do they need to know each other before embarking on that potentially decade plus long journey together? It's a great question. There, there's a, a VC trope that we we want to disband actively that, that says that you know to, to start a company with someone you you should have worked with them you should have gone to school with them you, you should know them intimately to me that's a little bit like saying you can only marry someone that you grew up with or you you know you, you met in in primary school when the reality is today you look around and, and you see that the majority of of you know successful marriages were at first, or you know, certainly in the, in the very modern era, you know, the, the, the couple were just as likely to have met through a, a dating app where they've got the liquidity pool, if you think in, in very you know, cold terms, uh, of partners and the, you know, the, the trust and, and the ability to, to surface potential partners. And that same thing is true of On Deck. And you know, if, if you look around and, and see you know, Coinbase, Brian and, and Fred met on Reddit, you look at 
you know, intentional matching stem centrics was founded by a you know, scientist and a banker that were matched by, by founders fund. There is more and more examples uh, today at OnDeck, well over a hundred companies that we count that were founded by people who met virtually through OnDeck program and who never would have crossed paths otherwise. And, you know, to today, many of those companies we're we're counting nearly eight hundred million dollars raised by by you know, on deck founders uh, to date. So it's clearly, there's something working there. I hadn't thought about on deck that way as the you know co co founder early team dating uh, pool. The, the 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 metaphor runs deep, Miles. Um, you know, if you if you think about the process of co founder dating, the thing I encourage people to do is go out there and maybe find four or five different people to go on a series of dates. You know, maybe take on a project, do some consulting work together. Perhaps don't work on the 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 one thing that you want to you know, ultimately solve because you want to build trust and you want to build up to that point. And maybe you go on a first date with five or six people and a second date with you know three or four people. And and it might be six months, it might be might be twelve months before you find the one, and you're you're ready to uh, to to drop a knee, uh, metaphorically. But I think a lot of the principles, and particularly as you go beyond that point, you think about the co-founder relationship that's you know, fresh in the honeymoon phase through to how do you make it work and how do you really invest in that relationship over, over many, many years to come. And there is a lot that can be learned, but also a lot that we're, we're starting to incorporate in, you know, in, in, in helping founders be more intentional about the relationships they build along the way and, and continuing to invest in those. And how did you meet and build trust with your co-founder? I suppose we're one of the perfect examples. I, I mean, I, I originally met Eric at an on-deck event. Uh, I attended a dinner in San Francisco in 2017, about maybe a, it would have been nine to 12 months after he first launched it. Uh, was you know, Eric was, was at Product Hunt at the time, thinking about what was next for him, thinking about maybe starting a company, maybe joining a fund, starting a fund. And, and I was in a similar position. I was a, an angelist at the time and thinking about what was next for me. So, you know, I had... A, a great time at, at, over a you know, couple of hours at, at a dinner and volunteered to take that same concept to London with me where you know, I, I was living at the time. I volunteered to run dinners, did around about 20 over the course of the next few years. And through that time, that was that was really the the, the dating phase for Eric and I, uh, that we had the you know, opportunity to, to get to know each other through the course of, of running various dinners in different cities, a, a retreat or two. Uh, I, I onboarded and, and helped with the, the, the support of another one of our very early team, Julian Weiser, yet another 20 or so city leads around the world. Didn't actually make the commitment to come in full time on On Deck until would have been early 2019 when there was clearly something in the air. You know, there, was, there was clearly uh, a, an opportunity waiting to, to be sort of drawn out and we didn't know exactly what it was. We, we didn't know what the business would be but we certainly knew that it was worth taking a, taking a crack at. So it's, uh, it's been an exciting journey to that point, certainly. Do you remember the moment when you decided that you wanted to be co-founders? What, what was it that helped you make that decision? I, I, I do. I, I, I remember it quite distinctly, or certainly around my conviction for the business. I took a month or, or, or so off uh, for the, the birth of my first child in, in mid-2018, and really coming back to that, I mean, it sounds perhaps a bit cheesy, but I, I was thinking about, well, wow, now I have to learn about education. I have to learn about how to raise a kid. I have to learn about, you know, how, how you know, will he make his way in the world and what are the sorts of, you know, environments and institutions I, I want him to, to, you know, be able to build and, and, and have access to contribute to. And everywhere I look back at it, it's like, well, 
build the future you want to live in. And, and for me, that was one where everyone young and old can seize the moment to, to build a company, to take up the opportunity that they, they feel most passionate about. So to me, you know, versus a, a, a several other, other options at the time. And, you know, my uh, wife and I had the, the, the privilege of having, you know, a, a few months in which we could afford just to support ourselves while I was running these dinners and, and doing things full time and ramping up before the, the first fundraise. But you know, certainly a distinct moment. Now, it, with, with Eric and I, I, I think as with all co-founders, uh, as with all teams, you do have to look at sort of what does each you know, person uniquely bring to the table. And, and, and Eric, I think, you know, as, as you, you know and would agree, uh, is just a, a natural, intuitive community builder from the early days at Product Hunt, building communities of, of, of founders and hackers and engineers around the world through to this present day. And and I've you know personally always always had a, a real passion for systems thinking about how do we incentivize people to work together? How do we you know allow people to put skin in the game with each other's success? There was a a theme that's been carried with me across. You know, my early days at AngelList, building the AngelList Syndicates product through to, you know, building uh, venture studios and, and working for the likes of 500 startups on the accelerator, working for Carter, thinking about making more owners. How do we help, you know, companies issue equity to their various constituents through to CoinList and the tools, you know, Web3 tools and the ability to in- improve ownership and, and liquidity and, and fundraising throughput to the earliest stages of founders. And, and to this day, I, I, I remember this moment, uh, this is sort of around the same time as, as the, my son was born. And I was, I was sort of looking at that as this journey through all sorts of different products, all sorts of different mechanisms to help founders raise money, get distribution, hire, but none of that actually helped to get people into yeah, the game in, in the first place. That was always helping those who had already themselves opted into starting companies. And I asked myself, well, for every person who is out there building a company today, there's got to be a thousand more who could be, who have the skills, who have the knowledge, and what's stopping them? You know, is it the co-founder relationship they needed? Is it the confidence in themselves or the confidence in their idea? Is it some capital? Is it some you know access to early customers? Is it is it just sort of the the forcing function of, of having a a moment? To, to, to anchor on. And, and that was, you know, what I, I, I thought and, and what I, I certainly, you know, hoped and you know, hoped on that it could become and, and, you know, reflecting uh, on it today uh, certainly is the case. I think that's really inspiring. This idea that there are a thousand potential new founders out there for every founder that you see, and that we should have more founders building more stuff to solve more problems in the world. I just get such a thrill out of that. There, there's an idea, which, which is a little bit controversial in some circles. Yeah, it's, it's easy to look at the, the fundraising environment today and say, wow, there is so much money sloshing around and valuations are through the roof and, and you know, the world's going crazy and, and call it an oversupply of capital. Our, our opinion is that it's actually an undersupply of opportunities to invest in. It's an undersupply of high quality founders who are at the time and place where that capital can help them. And certainly there is a lot of capital coming in the space, but it's a very positive sum world. You, you sort of reflect on the last two years, we've just come out of and think, you know, every institution, every industry has the opportunity to be remade from the ground up. There is, I heard some quotes in it, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but around $30 trillion of, of market cap in, in you know, the traditional Fortune 500s. All of the uni- you know, all, all unicorns combined today are still only around three trillion. And so, if you say that 
you know, the companies that have been founded, private, you know, unicorns, startups, venture funded companies are still, you know, a tenth of the traditional industries left to be disrupted. And, and, and if you believe that technology will continue to improve, and will, you know, I, I certainly do believe that technology is one of the, you know, one of the, the, if not one of the only drivers of human progress. And if technology companies all start out as startups, then it's our, almost our, our duty to, to help people start those companies and help those companies that have been started scale faster, help them hire better people, help those people they've hired get better at their jobs. And in doing those three things together, that's that conveniently, you know, lands me at, at Ondex mission statement. We help people start and scale companies, help them join companies, and help people at companies succeed at their job. And it's by doing those three things together that we build an ecosystem, we build a, a set of flywheels that continue to compound and uh, and we're, we're just getting started. Don't just listen, get engaged. I host a giving circle to support startup tech nonprofits. What's a startup tech nonprofit, you ask? A startup is an organization seeking to grow that is new. Tech, meaning using software to scale with lower to zero marginal costs. And nonprofit, meaning organized as a public charity. So support innovation by seeding nonprofits leveraging technology to scale. Go to startupsforgood.com and click on Giving Circle. And what a flywheel it's been. Your, your mission statement's inspiring as well as your call to build the future you want. Why don't you share a little bit about the size of OnDeck and some of the numbers? Yes, yeah, it's certainly been a uh, fast-paced two years. Let's say that coming into the, the pandemic, OnDeck was eight people. And we had you know this one dinner series, eight-week fellowships in person in San Francisco, New York. It was that third one where we had... Obviously, you know, COVID came, we had to cancel the retreat, we had to push everything virtual, everyone was sheltering in place and, and, and something magic happened that this one professional outlet that everybody had became even more, you know, fundamental to, to their ability to start something, their ability to support each other and meet each other. You remember April, May 2020 and, and the, the mass layoffs were coming. We had five or 6,000 applications to the fourth Ondek Fellowship, which was that, it was, a, it was the first one that was natively virtual. And we, Mark Anderson says, it's time to build. There was this, this sort of call, call to arms for, for people who were ambitious to, to fix some of the problems they were seeing, they were feeling around them. You know, OnDeck responded by saying, yes, of course, you know, we need to 10x the number of founders in the world. This was this is sort of reflecting on, on, on the, the catchphrases of, of, of 18 months ago. But also we need to 10x the number of operator angels who have the experience building and they're willing to reinvest their time and money. And Mars, I know this is where you've been involved in, in OnDeck as well as, as an active investor. So, so thank you for that. But we also you know, didn't want to stop there. said, how do we help those people hire their first 50 employees? So we launched the OD50 program. You know, we, how do we help those people tap into sectors where they have, you know, specialized knowledge, where they have access to people who can help them validate ideas, access to customers and people who can help them get distribution and climate, which was our first sector, but also then healthcare, fintech. We now have a education, a longevity, we have a property tech, we have a, a deep tech, uh, and, and those programs are each, you know, a similar model, 100 to 120 or so people joining at a moment where they've realized, I want to, I want to achieve a goal. 
and maybe that goal is you know scratch my founder itch explore starting a company maybe that goal is use my expertise in the property space to help founders maybe that goal is you know become a better angel investor and get access to deal flow and and build my my brand as an angel we want to find a group of people who have you know similar goals and bring them together create an environment in which they can help each other which they can find each other and and you know accelerate their, their own paths. So, so on the other day, uh, we, we have around 20 programs on our, on our way to many more. They're loosely divided into those three categories and, and or three business units. And those three business units map to the, the three sort of parts of our mission statement. The, the startups or is helping people start and scale companies. That includes ODF, uh, that includes ODS on deck scale. Uh, it also includes our sector programs, and uh, there's a, a very exciting, exciting announcement coming, uh, which we'll, we'll have launched by the time this podcast go live, it goes live. So I'm, I'm excited to share is a new program called ODX, and o ODX is a putting capital at the center of our ecosystem. It's a community power accelerator, which is intending to invest in people at that conviction moment. It's at the point when they say, "I've built conviction around the problem I want to solve." Now I'm going all in. I'm going to quit my job. I'm, you know, ready to ready to go. And and when we want to, you know, put $125,000 in your pocket or in, or in a company that we help you form, or form for you, uh, if if you need that done, and to you know give you a full access to the the markets of on deck to help find that co-founder, find the talent you need, find the you know the distribution. And to you know, get get access to, to 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 everything you need, including raising a you know, a, a pre seed or a seed round or whatever comes next. So really excited for that one, and and very happy to to share more. Yeah, that's very exciting. I haven't heard this. You know, I'm an investor in OnDeck and have participated in a number of the programs, including the Founder Angel and Podcast One, as you know. But this is the first time I'm hearing about ODX. So it please uh, explain this in more detail. So this is a founder who's ready to start. And you say, here's $125,000. Do they need to already be part of the program or do they join straight into this? What we've, uh, what we've been doing over the past two years, I think, Miles, is, is running a series of experiments. And, and there's, there's an experiment that um, we pushed out. You may even re remember the runway grant program. It was a convertible ISA that we launched in May of 2020. And the, the goal of it was... And, you know, similar to everything I've been saying here, it's unlock more talent by helping, you know, remove any blockers to people quitting their jobs to going all in. So the, a, a big part of this is, is actually the, the fi finally, the you know, relaunch of the, of the runway grant program. And, and, and that is available to people at that very, very early stage. So, so the way you can think about this is in, in sort of, I say, uh, three buckets. The first one is you are building conviction around the problem you want to solve in the world. You think that, you know, you're passionate about the climate space. You, you want to, you think there's problems you want to solve out there. That's, that's where you join ODF and you, you'd apply. We're going to, you know, we, we kick off cohorts of today. It's around a, a hundred to, to 140 people per cohort. And everyone is exploring, trying to validate that, that idea. And, and that's where the, the access to the sector network certainly comes in. At that point, if you need capital, if that's one of the reasons that you haven't gone full-time exploring that, that's when you can now qualify for a, for a runway grant. So that to me is, is very exciting that we, we can say, here's you know, 25K over three to six months as healthcare cover if you need that. Or it's certainly, I'm, I'm, we're trying to pull, pull that together now. Uh, we're confident we can get there. That's the first stage, building conviction for the problem you want to solve. Second stage is you have conviction. You're like, wow, I know that X population is underserved or, or Y process is inefficient. 
I've learned this and now I'm ready to go. You're validating the solution that you, you know, think exists. You know, how are you going to solve that problem? Is there you know, two or three different customer verticals or wedges you could drive into the market? And, and that's when you join ODX. So you know, perhaps you already know that. You're, you're someone out there in the, in the world listening to this, this podcast and, and you, you already have a, a good idea of, of the, the problem you want to solve and you've already started. So you can actually apply and you can come straight into ODX. You don't have to have been a part of any other on that program. And at that point, we'll, you know, we'll fund you directly. Um, it's a... Uh, it's, it's, it's the, uh, 100, again, 125, uh, for 7% at that point, but included with that is actually, uh, participation from one or, and what will soon be a number of community funds. So instead of just being a single investor, you know, that's taking a, a chunk of your cap table, there are going to be hundreds of investors who are backing you from day one. And of course, they're the same people who are in the network who can act as sort of the nodes and, and, and routing mechanisms for you throughout the community. And then there's this third stage, which I, I said, it's, you know, you've, you've got conviction for the, the, not only the problem you, you, you want to solve and, and the, the way you validated something of the way you want to solve it, but you are, uh, you, you, you're starting to, to build the machine that will serve customers. And you are, you know, maybe you've raised a seed round. That's certainly something that, that we're, we're going to be helping uh, do. We want to see people coming out of ODS with, you know, a couple of million dollars in, in, in a closed seed round and ready to go into on deck scale. And, and on deck scale is a program where you know, we're taking founders and, and helping them grow themselves as leaders, helping them build the machine, helping them tap into the on deck hiring marketplaces, uh, you know, customer marketplaces to get, to get distribution. And it's about that, you know, cl closing the, the loop and, and on, on the, the sort of the, the cycle. And at that point, they also become some of our best customers. You know, when, when we think about the careers programs, the, the on-deck hiring business, um, and, you know, really excited to see us able to serve people over that full life cycle of, of growth. Wow, that's a big announcement. So as I understand it, you've been helping people before a traditional accelerator and sometimes after, and now you're filling in that gap. You don't have to go outside of the on-deck ecosystem to another accelerator. It's exactly that. And, and in fact, not only that, but it, it's, I, I call it uniting the on-deck ecosystem behind those founders. And it's that which, uh, which personally, I, I mentioned earlier, um, my sort of career passion, my career path for helping align interests, for helping people get skin in the game with other success. It's, this is a, a first step down a, down a long journey towards how do we build a true you know, community-backed Accelerator, a true you know, community-backed mechanism that can create thousands of new companies, net new companies. This is the one of the, the, the benchmarks we'll, we'll measure ourselves against. Is sure it's great that you know if, if somebody was going to be an inevitable founder and they were going to create this company no matter what got in their way, and we were able to help them a little bit along the way. That's great. We'll feel good about that. But it's the cases where people can come in and build something which otherwise never would have come into existence which you know, really motivates us. Yeah, and you've talked about this incredible growth in the number of programs. I know the team has grown as well. How do you manage that kind of growth in, the, in an organization, particularly in this remote world? There's been uh, a, a lot of learnings along the way. It's, I mean, one short answer would be it's a phenomenal group of people. It's the, the most intelligent, hardworking group of uh, I've, I've ever worked with uh, today on deck is 220 people. But, you know, working at on deck still means working with a small, 
you know, very independent, very autonomous unit. I have a, I, I believe borrowed from Netflix in this case, but the, the, the saying is highly aligned, loosely coupled. We operate, you know, very highly aligned behind a set of principles, a set of values and a, and a mission that we, we, you know, we're pursuing. We are loosely coupled in the sense that how we achieve that, that, that vision, how we achieve that mission is, you know, varies vastly from person to person, whether you're, you know, perhaps you're a program manager working on, you know, a, an investor focused program, perhaps you're a program director on a, on a career focused program, you know, perhaps you're an engineer or you're working on our, our product team. I mean, one thing that people often miss when they think about on deck is that there is a very strong product at, at the core of it. It's a sort of a, a LinkedIn for, for founders in this, in this, or a highly curated LinkedIn for founders. And, you know, there's seven, 8,000 people in there now across all the, the 20 different programs and many different cohorts and, uh, and, and a lot of opportunity you know, to come on the, on the product and, and engineering front as well. So when, when we sort of zoom out and, and think about you know, how, how did that happen going eight to, to now 230 people, uh, we've all met, met each other once in person. We, we actually had a retreat together around about a month ago, which was a, a really special time. You know, j- just by tr- trying to uh, hire good people who are incredibly motivated for, for, for what OnDeck is trying to do in the world by you know, in- including uh, you know, early and, and often opportunities to, to share values, to set expectations. One, one of the more impactful you know, sessions I, I believe we've, we've conducted with our group was, was really one of, about setting the expectations of what working at OnDeck looks like. You, you'll have you know, opportunity to do some of the most fulfilling work of your life, but it's very hard work. Go, you know, goals are exciting and 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 you know constantly evolving, but that can be chaotic. And and these these are sort of trade offs that anyone has to to make when they decide where to work. They you know if, if you decide to work it on deck, then you're implicitly agreeing to to you know some of those those concepts and some of those values and. And we're very, very happy for people to self-select out. We're, we're very, very happy to say, well, is it working out? If it's not, then we'll, you know, this is literally the best place you could be to, to find your next thing. So, so very happy to see people move on when the, when the time comes. Yeah, talk a little bit more about that because things have been so dynamic and changing. It sometimes means, I think, programs stop, direction changes. And how do you manage that change internally? Yeah, you've you've been subject to this as a community member as well, a uh, a member of of the On Deck Podcasters cohort, which uh, was actually a, a, an incredible cohort. We had 80, 90 people come together, had very good reviews from it, had a lot of people had very positive experiences, and and that is one example of a program that we've wound down because what what we've sort of realised we we try, we try to frame our internal product or when I say product here I mean our sort of community strategy is very experimental we, we want to throw ideas against the wall we want to run cohorts we want to learn about users you know learn learn about our, our fellows the, the kinds of personas we're serving the outcomes they're getting and we'll do one of a few things one of them is say yes there's clearly something here and we will focus on exactly which personas have been so you know, have, have, have been successful in getting value from on deck and then focus in on them and serving them better and better and better. An example of that is actually ODF, you know, the original founder fellowships now sort of bifurcated into OD50 for joiners to healthcare, you know, fintech, all the sectors. That was as a, you know, an outcome of wanting to serve people better, serve personas better. Other examples, I, I think in on deck podcast is we said, yes, this is a really good experience, but it was very hard to identify the core persona within it and to, draw that back into the, the highest level mission, which, which although it's become more clear 
recently was was true at the time, which was, you know, does this program help people start and scale companies? Does it help them join companies? Does it help them succeed at their jobs? You can make a, a case for that, but not a strong one. And, and then I suppose to, to zoom out even further, there's this broader narrative evolution of on deck, and, and we're we're proud to say our strategy is, is emergent. You know, certainly three four years ago, Eric and I were, ne- were never sitting around and, and saying let's build. You know exactly what you see around you today. We learn as we go. And late 2020, uh, early 2021, and in fact, this you know the, the Series A announcement, we we positioned ourselves as the Stanford for the internet, and we meant Stanford in the sense that it was a place you would you would certainly learn a lot and have structured you know, education, but also meet you know some of the meet and build relationships with some of the most you know, valuable relationships of your life. That was sort of the bundle of of the campus and and the experience that came with it. What we've we've learned since then was actually what you know motivated us. What what drew us to that analogy specifically was the idea that Stanford is the sort of the the de facto entrepreneurial elite institution, and and in, you know even a layer deeper than that, the role that Stanford played in the evolution of Silicon Valley. Where if you're you know young and ambitious and you want to get into banking or consulting, you're more likely to go east and go to Harvard, Yale, go to Wall Street. If you're young and ambitious and you want to be in technology, you were probably aspiring to go to Stanford because that was the sort of the framework upon which you could hang your ambition and 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 it would sort of make legible talent to each other, to, to, to the market. I say there's, you know, it's not no mistake that Sand Hill Road is sitting there along the, the back, the, ba- the, the back of the, the Stanford campus. So today we say on deck is to the internet what Stanford was to Silicon Valley. And it's that, yes, you know, structured education, professionally, you know, professional education, the you know, careers programs somewhat represent a continuous master's in product management or, or design or customer success. But it's also the fact that that framework exists to make talent legible to others who are similarly ambitious and on the internet, you know, who, who are thinking about, I want to work at companies that are, are exciting, will, will grow and will reward my career. I might want to start a company myself one day. I certainly might want to join one, even if I don't start one. And, and that's the sort of the the, the narrative evolution that brings us to, to today. And we're far more willing to have tried and failed uh, to, to launch and, and run an experiment and learn from that experiment than we would be if we had never launched at all. That's quite a big vision. Your analogy there of being to the internet, what Stanford is to Silicon Valley. Does that mean that you have completely embraced a remote only or very remote centric way of doing on deck as a company i think the most important thing is that our org chart is designed in the image of how we want our product to be experienced there's a saying yeah so i was asking sorry from the participants perspective will it always be a virtual program exactly so actually so so i can i can i can segue both because i think this applies to both our company and to the participants in that yes i think that all on deck programs will be primarily or, or by default virtual and distributed and you, and you can join that program from anywhere in the world now what i also believe and and this is simultaneously true is that it is incredibly valuable to come together in person for short intense bursts of relationship building building trust just high bandwidth communication planning our cto andreas klinger has a framework where he, he says that uh, remote is for iteration and irl for, for innovation i don't know if he claims that and it's originality, but but this is where I where I credit it to. But so the way that we want to operate as a company, and the way that we want our communities to operate, is very similar. That you know we will 
bring those communities together for in-person retreats. We, we do that regularly, or we're starting to do that more regularly now that the pandemic's tapering off, I, I should say, that you know those retreats could be two or three days and you know bringing together groups of 60 to 80 to 100 people. Similarly, we do that as a company and we've just come out of our first whole company retreat and we're you know looking at every quarter we'll bring together smaller subsets, whether it's business units or whether it's you know smaller sort of functional groups. And you know every month perhaps a, a team might be able to fly together. You know perhaps a, a hiring manager can can fly to a you know a new employee who's joining and, and onboard them in person. And you know I'd love to see a lot of those principles apply back to to the communities where our, our program directors today are empowered to you know, fly around major hubs where their fellows are and host dinners, host events to bring people together and to, to, to create the, the magic that comes with it. You know, I say this with respect because I think you've done a good job with this, but I feel like I'd be missing out if I didn't ask you about the spread of Silicon Valley so-called bro culture. So you're teaching people Silicon Valley way of innovating and building companies, which is really powerful. How have you made sure that you don't kind of accidentally or um, with that smuggle in some negative sides to the culture? It's a, it's a really good point. And it's something that you know, everybody uh, has to be aware of and building is, is the, uh, the groups of people you bring together and, and what backgrounds, what interests, what political views, what you know, genders, races, all backgrounds that they represent. And I think that the, the most important thing for us is that Home Deck is a space where you can bring your yeah, unconventional ideas, where, where you can speak, you know, with the knowledge that the the, the you know the concepts you might be might be testing, perhaps they, I mean, by by virtue of of uh, of being still an an unbuilt idea, uh, if it was obvious, then someone would have built it already. Now we we achieve this you know broader diversity of thought by by focusing on our geographic spread. I think that the access to Silicon Valley has been one of the biggest problems in that. And it's very expensive to live in Silicon Valley, which you know, self-selects out a lot of people who can't do that, who can't quit their jobs, leave their mortgages, move to the Bay. And so by, by opening up you know, geographically, we've, we have people dialing in from all over the world, whether it's Central America, Europe, whether it's Southeast Asia, I'm calling you today from, from here in New Zealand, where I've been living for most of the, the pandemic. And, and if that doesn't personify that, then, nothing will but um and, and also just to be very intentional and 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 sort of building relationships with with other communities to make sure that on deck is on the radar of people from all all sorts of different backgrounds but you know to, to us the, the most important thing is focusing on the you know br bringing people together and creating a culture in which they can you know experiment be, be their best selves and uh, to to sort of to, to, to learn and, and grow together and you mentioned your Series A. I'd love to hear about your fundraising journey. How have you done that so successfully? We have, you know, raised now three small rounds of, of financing. Uh, the, the very, you know, very first one uh, was a sort of a, a belief round, mostly you know behind Eric and and the team that he was building at the time. This was you know very early on, around when I arrived. We had a, a seed round uh, which happened in 2019, and you know that was still. I, I mean. What, what round isn't a belief round, I, I suppose. That that was after we started launching these these fellowships. It was it was really like us still turning up to investors and saying, hey, look, there's something here. We haven't quite figured out what it is yet. Maybe, you know, we had we had a product called Cosign, which I, I believe you were involved in, Miles. And um, and at the time we thought, you know, this could be the social capital graph for the internet. This could be the way that people 
endorse each other, have the incentive to, you know, to support each other as a scalable digital product. And, and, and at the time I'll admit to, you know, we saw on deck the dinner series as more of a, you know, bootstrapping energy into cosine. We experiment with, with, with a few others, um, you know, referral based recruiting and, and other things. It's, it's classic exploring the idea maze. The, the series A came together on the back of the momentum and, and, and that was sort of a different game. Instead of us going out to the market and saying, Hey, trust us. It was really us, you know, reflecting on where we were and saying, Hey, look at this. There is clearly something here. That's what we expected to, to you know, the, 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 the rate we expected to grow at. But hey, look, it's 10x that. So let's see, you know, let's pour some gas in and, and see where this thing goes. What we've tried to do all along is, is to align ourselves with, with our, you know, our community to, to invest, I think around 200 investors uh, from, from the Omnia community invested in the, in the Series A. And there's, there's been a, a certainly today with with cohorts of angels and and cohorts of of others coming through much much more interest in that so that's really exciting to see and and today i I think it sort of reflects a little bit of of what's going on out there in in the world as well that there are still you know some of the the super funds that that are getting more and more attention as they they write bigger and bigger checks at higher valuations faster and faster there's there's the you know the rise of the solo gp at the other end of that spectrum where you have individuals who are connected, valuable, you know, building their, their careers and, you know, perhaps not so much action in, in, the, in the middle of that spectrum. That's what Ben Thompson calls the smiling curve. What Packy McCormick recently blogged about as the smiling curve of VC to, to give a shout out to, to Packy as, as an on fellow too. So, you know, we, we've followed that path and we've said, you know, Founders Fund anchored the, the Series A and we're excited to have Keith alongside us there. And, you know, along with that, not just the two, you know, there was two, 200, 250 investors all in um, to, to come along uh, that journey with us. So, you know, wouldn't share any, 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 anything more here, but looking ahead, I think that same thing continues. We're excited to, to basically rally the community and, and to, to co-create this business, co-create this vision with them. And that does include the, the fund that I, I had mentioned, uh, obviously ODX. And, and by the time this, this podcast is out, there should be a, uh, should be an announcement live and, uh, and, and, and heading over to, to be on deck on Twitter or to, to uh, be on deck.com. Um, we'll, we'll find anyone, uh, any information they need about that. That's a great place to wrap up. Where can people follow you online? I'm uh, generally, I, I used to keep a, a very low profile. I sort of emerged out onto Twitter as a, as something of a um, helping on deck get on the radar at David underscore booth. And I'm tweeting mostly on deck thoughts out there. Otherwise, very focused on what needs to be done and just, you know, here for the journey. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us about the journey and the newest program you have ODX. Uh, it's exciting to hear your vision and to see how fast you're executing on it. Thank you, Miles. Pleasure having you in the community. Thank you for all your support investments made. And I, I keep hearing great things. So uh, hopefully much more to come. All right. Take care. Thank you. If you liked what you heard today on the podcast, be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast player. And please give us a rating and review. The reviews help others find us. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and you can follow me on LinkedIn. Be sure to visit our website, startupsforgood.com. That's startupsforgood, all run together, no spaces, dot com. If you were inspired today and want to join our online community or our giving circle, please do so on our website.